It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast is brought to you by MLB at Bat. Yankees baseball is always live with MLB at Bat. Follow the action with game tracking and video highlights, along with up-to-the-moment stats, standings, breaking news, and more. Download MLB at Bat today in the Apple App Store or Google Play. It's your number one app for Yankees baseball. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. It's late January, almost February. We are inching toward pitchers and catchers. We have a lot to talk about today. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor for Yankees Magazine. Thanks for hanging out with us. With me right now, we have Gary Phillips, our associate editor. How are we doing, John? Good, thanks. Glad to be talking to you about this stuff. Stick around with us for a little bit. We're going to talk about what Gary's been working on these last few months, and then we're going to chat with... MLB.com Yankees writer Brian Hoke, who's going to give us a rundown on some things that uh, he saw and heard at the BBWAA dinner this past weekend, and also just kind of some final observations before he heads down to Tampa. So it's going to be a fun episode. The more we start doing these things now, it starts being more real. It stops being kind of like killing time before spring training, and now we are well into the stage where we're back in our monthly schedule of producing a magazine for spring training. We haven't been killing time. Come on. No, no it's not us. Um, yeah, no, it's really exciting to have the season almost be back. You know, maybe we might be regretting that in the middle of the summer when work's really crazy and hectic, but I, I know spring training and then opening day, those are always some of my favorite times of the year. So they're almost here. Look, we definitely will be. Um, you know, you, you uh, anytime you complain during the off season about how quiet things get, we remind people that it doesn't really feel that way in June necessarily. <laughs> Even during the quieter times, you know, one thing, and I know it's on the minds of a lot of our listeners. I know it's on the minds of a lot of players on the team. The sports world still kind of echoes with the Yankees a little bit, even when it's not Yankee season. You know, obviously the big news this past week was the tragedy with Kobe Bryant. And I know that I probably wasn't alone. You just kind of go right back to Thurman Munson. You go right back to, you know, Roberto Clemente to, to a similar degree. And it's just, I know I spent so much of that day on Sunday, obviously just feeling just gross and horrible for the Bryant family and, and that incredible loss of both Kobe and his daughter. But also, you know, I, I just wanted to reach out to Diana Munson a little bit. And I know that when that happens, that just must dredge up such horrible memories for her. And I had the opportunity last year to spend a lot of time with her in advance of the 40th anniversary of Thurman's tragic death. And it, it, it all came rushing back to me in a sense, all the work that I had done last year. And I can only imagine for those who knew him, you know, just how that moment kind of hit them. Yeah, it's, I mean, like you said, it's a terrible tragedy. I still feel kind of weird. It's days later, it's still this element of Kobe. Like it can't be Kobe. Um, but you know, you bring out Thurman Munson, I think 
Mike Breen, when he was calling the Knicks Nets game that day, he echoed that and the uh, famous cartoon from Bill Gallo, I think it is, that he drew when Munson went down. And you know, I was talking to my uncle a little bit, and who was a huge Thurman Munson fan, and remembers that day very clearly. And it just seems like this happens a lot with uh, athletes, where you know more so planes than helicopters, but it's just very unfortunate, very tragic. Your heart breaks for not only the Bryan family, but all the other families and all the other people that were involved. You know, as though we needed more Yankees connections to this thing, then you start hearing about, you know, the connection that Aaron Judge had with that coach. It's just, I mean, it's just horrible all over. And there's, Kobe was a interesting guy. You know, I know he was certainly in some ways more of your generation than mine in some degree, but man, he was always interesting. And it's a, it, it it's just it's been surreal since then and like i said just even when it's not yankee season or when it's something that has nothing to do with the yankees part of spending five days a week in the stadium and immersed in rooms like the one we're in right now where i'm looking at whitey ford and casey stengel and lou Gehrig and babe ruth is that you know you have a tendency to as these moments happen kind of like find a yankees angle and sadly it was easy with uh the kobe story for me so that's just uh you know, didn't want to leave that topic just ignored as we move into, you know, more maybe superficial and happy-go-lucky uh, Yankees topics. As I mentioned at the top of this, we are in Super Bowl week. Who's your pick? Putting you on the spot. I think the Chiefs. I'm not nearly an NFL expert to give you all the reasoning behind why I feel that way, other than I believe in Mahomes. To- I, I, I just like Mahomes. Yeah, I, I want to see him do well. I think he's going to... It's going to be a shootout. I'll say I'll say the Chiefs. I wouldn't be surprised either way. It's not like one of those where, you know, I think what's the spread? One, one and a half. I think that kind of sounds right. The reason I bring up the Super Bowl, though, is, you know, you hit the end of the Super Bowl and that's when all of a sudden it's like pre-spring training. So maybe we're maybe it's pre-spring training eve right now, but players are in Tampa, as crazy as that sounds. And by the next time we do one of these episodes, which will be, you know, I guess the second week of February, the first week of February will be days from the official pitchers and catchers report. So let's talk about one of those pitchers, and that's Mike King. You know, I, I imagine a lot of our listeners just now responded with the age-old question, who? And that, and that's kind of what makes the story fun that you wrote. It's called Alter Ego, Metal-Minded Yankees Prospect. Mike King becomes a monster on the mound. Gary Phillips, who is Mike King? So Mike King's this mellow, polite, you know, little shy kid from... Rhode Island. He was born in New York. He was raised in Rhode Island, kind of in the middle of New England. His dad, big Boston sports fan, and his mom was a Yankees fan who took him to a 2003 ALCS game, kind of converted him uh, against his dad's wishes. He wasn't too happy when he came home from the game that day with a Yankees hat. My dad was born in Boston, from Boston, every Boston fan. My dad somehow won the argument and raised me to be a Boston fan. And so I'm Patriots, Celtics, Bruins, Red Sox. And he had tickets to the, it was 2003 ALCS when Boone hit the walk-off in game, game seven. And he was an anchor at the time. So it was a Sunday game. We go, me and my dad go. And as we're on the tee, like going to the stadium, it gets rained out. And we hear it over the loudspeaker, like, game three scheduled a Tuesday. My dad's got to do the news Tuesday night. So... He's like, he's telling my mom, you got to take the tickets. Like, it's a once in a lifetime, like Red Sox, Yankees, ALCS, you got to do it. And my mom's just begging him to sell the tickets. Like, you can get so much money for these tickets. Like, 
So he forces me and my mom to go. Yankees win the game. Mariano Rivera is her favorite player ever. He closes it out. They win at Fenway. My dad gave me 20 bucks to get a souvenir. I think I was seven at the time. I get a Yankee hat with a $20 souvenir. Or for 20, whatever, $20 for the souvenir. And so I come home with the Yankee hat on, and it pissed my dad off. Then he went on to have a very successful high school career, very successful college career at Boston College. Was drafted by the Marlins. The Yankees went out and acquired him. And you know, now he's kind of knocking on the door of a roster spot, trying to make an impact after a very tumultuous 2019 season. So you pitch this story about Mike King, and immediately I'm in the headspace of, okay, you know, I, I know the name. I know he was a prospect. I know that he was up here for a few days, pitched in Texas uh, in, the, in the final series of the season. You know, my initial response to this was kind of like, man, seems like an interesting guy. Maybe we wait until people know who he is. You had a good answer for that. What, what was the reason to do Mike King now? I, I thought the reason to do it now was that this is a guy who could be knocking on the door this year who you know whether it be in spring training or the middle of the year he's gonna get a chance to make an impact on the staff now I don't know if that comes as a member of the rotation or the bullpen but I I do think this is a guy that we're gonna see this year he's on the 40 man he was in 2018 their minor league pitching prospect of the year according to MLB.com had some injuries a couple setbacks last year but Pitched at four different levels and you know ended up making his debut at the end of the year, getting a quick cup of coffee in the big leagues. And this seems like a guy that's going to be around at some point in 2020. So let's get to know him now. And for sure. I mean, you know, I, I was kind of playing with you when I asked that question just now. I totally agree. I mean, one of the fun things about doing a guy like Mike King during spring training is it's obviously going to be interesting to watch. Luis Severino and, you know, Garrett Cole is going to be fun to see, you know, his first time. But it's really interesting to watch the guys who are truly fighting for their lives when they're out there in those spring training games and, you know, the second through seventh inning sometimes. If you know enough of the names, that can be the most interesting time to watch. And so it's good when we can introduce some of these guys who are out there kind of after you take your eyes off Garrett Cole and maybe you, you know, head to the concession stand to get your beer or soda or whatever you want to do you know you'll come back and you might not recognize the guy in the mound but that's kind of our job in a sense it, it does make you think about this team right now though in a certain way because if the story of 2019 is the way that the team overcame the injuries well okay you hope that's not the story of 2020 you hope that injuries aren't the case again but here's the thing if injuries aren't the case again then Where's Mike King on the depth chart? Is he the eighth starter? Is he the ninth starter? You know, once you get past the regular starting five, and then you're looking at Loiziga, and then you're looking at, you know, Jordan Montgomery, or maybe flip those two. You mentioned Davey Garcia certainly knocking on the door, too. Clark Schmidt is absolutely a guy who Getting I think a lot is, of attention right now. Yeah, I think he's going to be interesting to watch in spring training, too. You know, so, so it's kind of this weird thing. Like we saw last year, man, it takes a village to win 103 games, but, you know, what if it doesn't? <laughs> what if the Yankees don't get hurt? Yeah, so going into spring training, I kind of said in the story, you know, like you said, eight, nine in the pecking order when it comes to starting positions, starting slots for Mike King. But there's also, I think, the possibility that he comes out of the bullpen. You know, if you go even just on the Yankees depth chart right now online, like he's listed as a potential reliever. Obviously, 
there's more names on that depth chart currently than there are available roster shots once the season starts. But I think this is going to be a guy that they look at and give an opportunity to in spring training. And it's certainly a guy that they like in the organization. You'll read the story. I hope everyone will read the story and you'll, you'll get a lot about kind of the weird personality shift that occurs when he takes the mound. And it's, it's kind of fun the way you describe him both in person, but also in the story as just this totally mild manner. I think you said there's a lot of exclamation points in his oh, text e- messages. E- yeah. Even like when I'm texting him, like exclamation marks, emojis, like super polite, super personable, very respectful. And then when you talk to people that know him, when he gets on the mound, he's a monster. Yeah. A, a maniac. It really comes off that way. So there's a this good story that his coach at Boston College, uh, Mike Gambino, and also his teammate at Boston College and now a pitcher for the Mariners, Justin Dunn, told me. They were in the NCAA tournament, King's junior year. He finds out that Utah is tipping his changeup. Kind of, well, he's tipping his changeup. He's, t- he's tipping his changeup, and the coaches at Utah are you know, alerting their hitters, and he ends up getting out of an inning using... His two, using changeups on two pitches. So I, I had I, I had a bad like first. It was either the first inning or first two innings, and we were down. I think it was two to nothing after two. But our at bats were off, so it, it just looked like we were out of the game. And I don't know if it was my fault because I let them get ahead early, so it kind of put us down. But we had no fire, nothing going on, and it, it was just a blah game. And I get into a tough situation, and I start hearing you coming out of my ear every time I am throwing a changeup. And my changeup was my It was a fastball changeup. I'm not great at slider, curveball, whatever it is. So I pull out my catcher, and it was man on first at the time. And I was like, I don't know if your leg's open and you can see the changeup or if I'm doing something, if I'm, like, tipping something. But every time I'm about to throw a changeup, I'm hearing you behind me. So he's like, all right, we'll do multiple signs. I'll close my leg kind of thing, and I'm still hearing you. Then I realize it's coming from the first base coach that's standing over there. And my first baseman tells me that right as my leg came up, my hands would get outside my body and you could see a change of grip in my glove here from behind where the first base coach was standing. So it just so happened that the last out of the inning was a ground ball first. So I had to go over and cover and our, th- our catcher knew what was happening. So our catcher was backing up first base and we start jarring at the first base coach. And it was kind of like to fire up the team a little bit to like get a spark going. We go out there the next inning, first base coach still doing the same thing. And it's tough for me to like change something mid game. So I'm like trying to do like little mechanical changes to, to fix it, but it's still happening. Our pitching coach realizes I'm getting frustrated. comes out. I think it was the third inning and it's still two nothing. And he says, honestly, as a hitter, you cannot make that adjustment if you hear it that late because like it's already right here. It's you cannot make that adjustment. Just continue to execute the pitch and you'll be fine. And I ended up getting like two punch outs on changeups in that inning. So I'm all high on my horse, whatever, feeling confident. Our dugout was third base side, so I'm walking after the inning into the dugout, and their third base coach is walking, and we would have met. We would have hit. He stops to let me go, and I might have said something to him. And so, and then I keep walking, and the third base coach – so it looks like I didn't say anything because I had my head down, and but I just like mentioned something to him. And third base coach then snaps his head. and I don't know if he said anything to me, but it fired up our coaches because a coach then was coming out of player. And – my head coach, pitching coach, and our outfield coach just sprint by me. And so I'm probably five steps away from the line, and I see all three of the coaches go, and I turn around, and they're right up in the coach's face, <laughs> like their third-base coach's face. And 
I go into the dugout like nothing happened and a bunch of the guys are like, what the hell just happened? What what the guy say to you kind of thing? Like, why are they going? And, and it was just like, uh, it, it, they had to get broken up the coaches because they all, they all had my back thinking that the third base coach just, went it's just the story of essentially how intense and how competitive and how you know, kind of crazy he gets when he's in the middle of competing, but Everybody from Boston College obviously loved it. They were down in the game. It ended up setting a fire under them, and they rallied to come back in the NCAA tournament. It's just this incredible story about how nuts he is. But you know what the thing is? I I read the story, and I felt like I was reading about another Yankee. I think you can guess who I'm thinking of. Who? I mean, the way you were describing it even just now, I mean, it was CeCe Sabathia. It it felt the exact same thing of not going to accept anything from the other team and going to run off the mound screaming at them, but then you catch him on the bench at any time and he's laughing with everybody. He's having the best time. You see him in the clubhouse. He's the most easygoing, funny, nice guy. But but then he gets on the mound and he's just this crazy man sometimes. The only difference I would say is that CeCe would have been happy to tell you exactly what he said and relive the skirmish moment by moment where King, you know, said, it kind of makes me look like a bad guy. But meanwhile, I've got his coaches and his teammates telling me, oh, it was awesome. It was great. We loved it. Uh, so he's got to he's got to work on owning that uh, aggressiveness a little more, I guess. He definitely has time, though. It's, it's still pretty early for him. Yeah, yeah, that that he'll work on. One thing he doesn't have to work on, though, is his note-taking, his preparation. So another thing that his teammates and coaches marveled at is just how detail-oriented he is. He was telling me he keeps a binder going back to his junior year of college, and in that binder is every hitter from every program or team that he's faced, alphabetical order, and it essentially breaks down how he attacked him, why he attacked him, the result. He uses this as a reference to go back to and prepare for upcoming starts, upcoming appearances. And I, I asked him for, you know, if he would be willing to share pictures or, you know, I even said, like, give me some stuff from college so that it's not giving away any secrets. And he just he just wouldn't do it. But he was telling me about these crazy binders that he keeps. Look, he's a fascinating guy. What's his repertoire look like? What's he What's he coming at you with? He's got mid-90s heat, you know, nothing too hard. And he said, you know, one of his goals this year was, this offseason rather, was to sharpen his slider. As I mentioned before, you know, he has the changeup. So he's got, I guess, middle-of-the-pack stuff, you would say. But there's that mental aspect to it, too. Yeah. Fascinating dude. Fascinating story. I really... As with all of our pitchers this year, so much about this team has changed in the offseason, you know, in terms of the way they're approaching pitching and catching with Matt Blake and Tanner Swanson coming in. I think that's going to be a really fascinating dynamic to watch in the spring because, you know, a lot of the guys around them are the same, but, you know, how different is the approach going to be? How different is the workload going to be? How different are the objectives going to be? And they have a relationship also, which you can talk about that the way Matt Blake talks about how he wants to be a pitching coach, you know, it seems like it's really going to fit with what Mike King is doing. Yeah. I mean, there's not going to be any learning curve for Mike King when it comes to that. Uh, him and Matt Blake know each other since King was in high school. King also has a relationship with Eric Cressy, who's now joining the strength and conditioning staff. So he should he should fit in pretty well with whatever the new philosophy is going to be. That's going to be cool to watch. When you look to the rest of the pitching staff right now, what are some other things that you're really interested in as we you know get from 
Super Bowl Sunday to opening day for baseball season. I'm really kind of just interested to see how that last spot shakes out and the depth behind it. Obviously, we've got Garrett Cole, Severino, Tanaka, Paxton. Those are your, you know, you pencil those in easily. Those are your top four guys in the rotation. Brian Cashman said over the winter, Jay Happ is going to be the fifth starter. Let's see. You know, there's some depth back there. You know, like you said, Montgomery, Davey Garcia, Wasiga. To, to say nothing of the fact that as the team showed last year, it doesn't just need to go one through five in rotation. You know, there are going to be times when we want to see an opener and things like that as well. Right. So, you know, the team did pretty well last year for pretty good stretches, despite the fact that they were kind of shuttling in fifth starters, if they were even using fifth starters. And, and I think this year more so than last year with the depth that they currently have, there will be less of a need to do that if you're only dealing with one or two injuries. Obviously, last year there was many more than that, so you kind of had to get creative with the openers. But we'll we'll see. I think they're a much deeper team, if healthy, this year when it comes to their starting pitching. Spring training, it's going to be incredible when those guys report second week of February. Then it's going to get way too long. But you know, the one thing I can always say for people with spring training is keep an eye on the pitchers. The pitchers obviously are the reason spring training is as long as it is. But you can you can learn so much about the team and about the future of the team by watching those pitchers. Maybe it's a game that Garrett Cole starts, but he only pitches three innings. Well, those guys who are coming behind him, these are names to keep an eye on. Some of them because you're interested in Yankees prospects, some of them because you're interested in Yankees trade trips, and sometimes because there's just these depth guys who you never expect to hear from again, and then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, they're playing a huge role in July. So there's plenty of stuff to to enjoy about all the pitchers we're going to see in spring training, I urge you to come along with us for the ride with Yankees Magazine. We're going to do our best job possible to tell you about as many of them as possible. And obviously, like I said, we're starting here with Mike King. But obviously, there are many more stories to tell, and we look forward to doing it. Gary, great story. Thank you. I, I look forward to many more like this this year. For the rest of you, I hope you'll read it when it's posted online. In the meantime, we're going to take a quick break. And when we're back, we're going to be with Brian Hoke to break down some stuff that just happened at that awards dinner and also to look forward to the last moving parts before we get to spring training. So stick with us. Hi, this is Masahiro Tanaka. You are listening to the Yankees Magazine podcast. The Yankees Magazine podcast is also brought to you by MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand with MLB.tv. Your subscription includes MLB at Bat Premium, allowing you to stream live baseball on your favorite supported devices. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Welcome back to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. Exciting segment right now. We have Brian Hope with us. Brian, welcome. Thank you, John. Happy to be on with you. Awesome. Well, look, man, we are we're close, right? I mean, <laughs> I think the next time I speak to you, it'll probably be in Tampa. I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm ready to get down there and ready to have some warmer weather. Uh, see the guys throwing, hitting, catching, all that good stuff. And there's something exciting about this time of year. You know, I, I think right around 
New Year's Day, I start to get the itch, and I'm just thinking, all right, it's it's baseball time, and uh, we got the Super Bowl coming up, and that'll be fun. But that's that's the official handoff, pardon the pun, to baseball, and um, I, I think it's baseball time. And look, certainly for Yankee fans, got a lot to be excited about. It hasn't been a very busy off season, if you think about it. You know, they had one big day where they got Gary Cole, and other than that, it's been kind of quiet. You know, they re-signed Brett Gardner, which I thought was a good move, but. Uh, when you bring in the best pitcher available on the open market, maybe you don't have to do do, do too much, uh, considering this team won 103 games and went to the ALCS last year. Clearly, uh, they have their sights set on more in 2020. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, if you if you just look at it, you know, in a macro sense, did the Yankees improve in the offseason? Yes, like that that that's the game plan, right? And sure. meanwhile, if you look what's happening uh, about 100 miles north, or you know, what the Red Sox are doing, like. Maybe they've improved even more than it seems if uh, they're losing a lot of AL East competition. So, is it only a hundred miles? I must yeah, be doing something it, wrong it, when it, I drive. It's so much more than that. I don't even yeah. know what I was saying. Because sometimes that's a three-hour drive, and sometimes it's a five-hour drive. And um, yeah, anyway, sorry. <laughs> Go must, ahead. must be my weird direction. Um, but you know, we'll get to that in a second. But first, before we even do that, I, I'd love to talk about. This past weekend, obviously, you know, a, a big day on the New York baseball calendar. You had the Baseball Writers Association of America, you know, New York uh, branch dinner. How did that go for you guys? Oh, that was such a fun night. It, it always is. Um, you get the best and brightest in the baseball world. This year it was at the, the Sheridan in Times Square. And, I mean, personally speaking, for me, it was so exciting just to get a chance to meet Jerry Seinfeld and get a picture with him. I mean... Gosh, I, I grew up watching that show, so that was that was cool. And he's obviously a big baseball fan, big Mets fan. He jumped at the opportunity to come and present to Pete Alonso. But we had a Yankee contingent there too. It was good to see CC Sabathia as always. Um, he got the Long and Meritorious Service Award. I personally got to present to DJ Lemayhew. And um, if you watch the video, it's hilarious because I think I talked for about ninety seconds. I wanted to keep it a tight intro. And he talked for about 30 seconds. I mean, DJ is just, he's the machine. He, he shows up at the ballpark. He wants to play baseball, get his three hits, and go home. There's, no, there's not a whole lot else to it. Yeah, like I said in my speech, this guy could have played on any Yankee World Series team. You take your pick. I, I like to think about him playing with Mickey, Yogi, and Whitey. You want to put him on the Yankees in the 70s. I think he would have been a Willie Randolph type on those teams. And, you know, Bernie Williams and Luis Soho were talking during the dinner, and they were saying, oh, yeah, this guy would have fit on the teams in the late 90s. So very cool to be around those guys. And like I said, I think that's what gets everybody hungry for baseball. We had about 800 to 1,000 people in the room and just diehard baseball fans and there's so much to celebrate in New York sports obviously we had the uh, the BBWA award winners there um, your Cy Young award winners your MVPs that kind of stuff and that's always great too but I, I feel like the real excitement is when the Mets and Yankees get up to the podium and, and they're talking and uh, we, we certainly had a good selection of them uh, this year hope to do more when I'm hosting the event next year. I, I'm going to take over as chairman from Anthony DeComo. He, his two-year stint is up, and so I guess I got to get used to wearing a tux. I got to learn how to, to tie that right because that took a little while. Well, I guess from a budgeting perspective, when you know the Mets provide you with the Rookie of the Year and Cy Young Award winner, it decreases the travel expenses for bringing those award winners in, so that must be great for the bottom line. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's it. it 
costs a little bit to get them in, but uh, you know I think these guys are are super excited to um, to always come in and receive their award, of course, and be around that fraternity of baseball people. And um, it, it's really it's kind of like the baseball Oscars. That's what I would compare it to. And um, just so people know. This is open to the public. This is not a thing where it's closed off and media only. I mean, these these tickets are available. It's a little pricey. I, I think it was going for two seventy five this year. But when you factor in, you're getting a dinner, and it's kind of like if you were going to go see a Broadway show, you're probably going to spend about that much. So if you're a baseball fan, uh, you get a chance to come to the baseball Oscars. You know, circle that date in January. It's a it's a pretty cool event, even if you only do it once. Well, I mean, and if Instagram is, you know, true, then every single person who went to that dinner got a selfie with Jerry Seinfeld. So, um, (laughs) that right there. Yeah. I mean, if you knew that that, and, and Jerry was actually a surprise. We didn't advertise that it was coming. Um, you know, I, I, I felt. 95% 95% sure he would be there just based on the conversations we had with his people. But, um, you know, you don't want to promise something and then it fall through. So uh, we kept that quiet. Nice little surprise for everybody. But, yeah, he was pumped to be up there on the dais. And when he got up there and he speaks, everybody listens. And so that that was really cool. Well, now we got to brainstorm for what celebrity we can bring in next year. Obviously, it's a rare chance for you to get a bunch of players in the same room during the offseason to really talk about some things. You know, I'm, I'm sure CeCe's kind of in a different place than maybe LeMayhew, but, you know, as, you know, you have some players getting ready to report spring training, what were some of the conversations like? Well, I think that there's always a, uh, a mutual respect in that group, and, you know, it's a little different this year. I, I sense some tension just in terms of the Astro stuff and what's going on there, and Verlander was there, Justin Verlander was there to pick up his Cy Young Award, Jordan Alvarez was there to pick up his AL Rookie of the Year Award, so I almost sense that those guys were kind of an island onto themselves um and that was interesting during the red carpet stuff and uh verlander actually i thought he was making a joke some other people thought he was he misspoke but he he referenced how analytically sound the the astros are and technologically advanced and that brought a big kind of laugh and some booze from the crowd and you know and then he kind of backed off and said but seriously folks and uh cc didn't enjoy that one uh cc scowled a little bit and kind of bang the table and I thought he was kind of mimicking the the garbage can banging so usually it's a very happy-go-lucky you know kind of celebratory affair I almost sense that there was a little underlying tension this year just because look nobody's happy about what happened with the Astros I think we talked about that last time we were on the podcast and uh, you always wonder especially in a CeCe's case what 2017 would have looked like I mean that that postseason series where the home team won every single game Uh, did the Astros have an unfair advantage what We'll never really know what the outcome would have been otherwise, but uh, when you're a CC who won that World Series in 2009, was hanging on to try and win another one, uh, got so close, twice got knocked out by the Houston Astros, I think... uh no love lost in 2017, 2019 for CC. And, but other than that, you know, the guys mingled. They, they had a couple drinks. They, they really enjoyed their night. They all, they got to get all dressed up, bring their wives out and do the red carpet thing. And so, like I said, a, a really cool celebratory night, but also a little bit of, uh, some fireworks under the, uh, the surface there. Well, look, I mean, that's going to be the story of the whole season. I kind of think, right? I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that when we get down to spring training, the word Astros will come up quite a bit. Um, you know, we're going to have to 
see what everybody wants to say, is willing to say. Some guys are going to be more outspoken than others, I'm sure. Um, we haven't really heard too much from the, the current roster of the Yankees. So I am curious to hear what, say, an Aaron Judge has to say, you know, when he gets an opportunity to speak in front of a microphone. Maybe it won't be much at all. Maybe it'll be, hey, we're focused on 2020. We're going to go out and win the World Series this year. And they've certainly got uh, the team where that should be a possibility. You know, maybe that's uh, maybe that's the more proper approach. Don't worry about what happened in 17, 18, 19. You know, focus on what you can do on the field in 2020. Uh, but I think that just based on the uh, the reaction that you got when you get a room of the best and brightest in uh, Midtown Manhattan, I, I think that it's it's going to be an underlying theme of the season and something we're going to c- continue to talk about. You know, certainly this is not done yet. We we're still waiting on discipline on the Red Sox in eighteen, and that's another team that ended the Yankee season. So uh, there's there's still a few more spools to to pull here, and um, you know, the, I think that the more you pull, then the more threads going to come out, and um, we'll see where it goes. But uh, personally, I'm excited for this 2020 Yankees team because I got I think they've got a really good chance to be the last team standing and have that parade through the Canyon of Heroes once again. So let's move into 2020 here. When, when do you head down to Tampa? Um, most guys head down uh, around February 10 or so. Pitchers and catchers is on the 12th. The last few years, I've been going down Super Bowl Sunday. Um, and so I, I want to get down there early February as fast as I can. Um, and guys are already down there working out. You're seeing, oh for sure, yeah, yeah. you're seeing players on Instagram and stuff, and they're down there at the Himes Avenue complex. They're already getting going. So I, I feel like I'd rather be there too early than too late. And so uh, any excuse I can get to get out of the cold and. Yeah, we're going to pack up the uh, the Griswold family fun wagon and drive down uh, I-95. And, yeah, we'll we'll bring the whole brood down there and um, get, get set up. And I'll be uh, right out there at the minor league complex until pitchers and catchers report on the 12th. The Hoke Traveling Circus is definitely one of my favorite parts of spring training and really the regular season, too. I mean, the, <laughs> the way that you've turned covering baseball into a family affair is uh, noble. We're very lucky right now. I, I've got two young daughters, ages three and one, so... Um, they're not, obviously not in school at the moment. I don't know how that's going to work when we've got kindergarten and stuff. But, you know, for right now, you you put the dance recitals on hold. And, all right, kids, time to go down to Florida. And so, you know, my wife, Connie, is very understanding. She loves the, loves the travel. Obviously, I think you have to and uh, loves baseball. And so, yeah, we're, we're making it work. Um, you know, it, it's certainly... More difficult to travel as a party of four than a party of one, but um, you know I think that uh, it's worth it in the in the long run, and it's a lot of fun. So why don't you? Uh, obviously, it changes a little bit when you're kind of there early as opposed to once it's official and all the players are there. But what is your daily schedule for spring training? Um, once pitchers and catchers report, we start going over to George Steinbrenner Field, and um, that that's kind of like a more regular season feeling except everything is so early because there's so many meetings and things that the players do i mean you know during the regular season i I, my my timetable is usually what three o'clock to midnight for for a night game at yankee stadium so in in spring training it's completely flipped and a lot of times you're getting 7 a.m 8 a.m and then we we get in the clubhouse for about an hour and then a lot of times these guys have meetings they've got Pitchers meetings, hitters meetings, union meetings, um, all sorts of stuff that uh, mental coach, mental skills, that that happens a lot with this team. 
uh, has for years, you know, dating back to 2009. It, you know, I, when we were working on Mission 27, uh, the book about the, the 2019, we, so many players talked about the impact that Chad Bowling had. And, and at that time, it was a really new thing. Players didn't really do that. Major League teams didn't. Now I think everybody pretty much has a mental skills coach. And so that's a thing that those are pretty much daily meetings. So there's a lot more going on behind the scenes than just what you see on the field when they're taking batting practice and um, throwing bullpens and whatnot. And, you know, I, I feel like every year, Things get started so early now. Um, opening day is March 25th in Baltimore. So uh, it's kind of accelerated, I feel like. You know, once you get the first full squad workout, I think they're playing in exhibition games maybe five days later. I, I feel like there used to be a bigger gap there where you would just have, you know, a week, 10 days, 11 days of workouts and, and not ha- see another uniform. And now. You know, I, I feel like it's a good thing. Get these guys on the field, get them playing in games, and um, you know, this, that's what we're here for. We want to watch ball games, and so that starts pretty early. But in the early days of camp, you're you're trying to see which guys you need to talk to, follow the uh, the storylines that are happening. Obviously, you get all those best shape of your life stories, but you want to do a little bit more than that. And you know, so I'm already kind of digging around and trying to come up with ideas. You know, what I like to do is. I take that spring training roster, and it's got probably about 60 guys on it, and I keep that in my pocket, and I want to, by the end of spring training, I make it a goal to talk to every single one of those guys. And some years it it works out, some years not so much, but that's my goal. I want to at least interview every single guy who's in big league camp, get their stories, get an opportunity to tell their stories, because, um, look, I mean... We all want to talk about the Garrett Coles and the, the Aaron Judges, and trust me, they'll they'll get their fair share of headlines. But there's a lot of other guys in camp too who have who have um, compelling stories to tell, and I want to tell them. I totally agree with. I mean, that's always a goal for me when I'm down there too. And part of the reason is because I know I'm going to see Aaron Judge. You know, I'm 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 usually only at home games, but so fine, let's say 81 times. You know. Maybe a Tyro Estrada, maybe a, you know one of these other young guys. I'm I'm not going to see unless you know it's at spring training or if I make a trip to AAA. So I really want to you know see as much as I can to them and talk to them as much as I can. I know that that's a huge thing for you too because you're filing every day. You're filing one two stories. So you know I, I imagine not just uh, is it interesting, but it also helps you uh, get your work in. What about family wise? Uh, how much how much time do you get to play while you're down there? <laughs> Um, you'll make the time to take a ride up to Disney World and, uh, you know, do all that stuff, head over to Clearwater Beach, but it's a work trip. It really is. And so, um, even though we get to relocate for seven, eight weeks and, um, you really enjoy that kind of sunshine and the warmer weather, I mean, the, the primary focus is, um, being at the ballpark. And so daddy's at the ballpark a lot during spring training and, um, you know, we'll, we'll make time. The, the one thing I would say is that, it is the time of year where you're closest to the nine to five work schedule. It is nice to be home for dinner and, and whether we're going out to a restaurant or, or staying in, it, it, that's, that's nice too. That's one nice perk of spring training. And, um, you know, that's something I always enjoyed, even when I was a fan going out for spring training. I, I love the idea that you go over and you, you chase your autographs and do whatnot and you watch a ball game and then you can get tan and by four o'clock it's like, all right. Where, where are we going for dinner tonight? So, look, I know you write about this team. You don't build this team. But when you look at the roster right now and the job that Cashman and his crew have done, what is the unfinished business, do you see? What do you think we still might see? What changes might we still see along the margins? 
there's not much. I, there really isn't. You know, I, you've seen them add some catching depth, and uh, you know the recent one is Josh Toley is going to be in a minor league uh, contract, and they've got a couple other guys who will be pushing Kyle Higashioka behind the plate. But I, I really think that their heavy lifting was done the day they introduced Garrett Cole. Um, there's not, there wasn't a whole lot more that they needed to do than that. That was the weakness. When, when we talked about the 2019 Yankees, from wire to wire, it was, well, do they have enough starting pitching? And that was especially true after Severino went down in spring training. Um, now they do. I mean, that rotation looks great. Uh, the fact that you have Jay Happ as a five-starter, if he can have any kind of bounce-back year, um, if not, you've got a, a bunch of guys like Jordan Montgomery, Davey Garcia, who can push for that uh, that fifth spot. Michael King is in the mix, sure. I don't think there's a whole lot more that they're going to do here. Uh, I guess that you can explore a trade. Look, if they can make a blockbuster trade and trade for a Nolan Arenado or something like that, um, then, you know, I know Cashman has said third base is Gio Rochelle is job to lose uh that would be tough to pass up i don't know if they can actually pull that off but um i i guess that's a possibility uh at this point it looks like you're gonna have clint frazier in camp um i i would have expected that he would have been moved at some point during the offseason i just didn't see an opening for him to get reps out there but maybe he comes in has a great spring training maybe he could fight his way onto this roster maybe he can play for the other 29 teams that are out there but I mean, we're really talking about the 24th, 25th, 26th men on this roster. And, you know, where does Miguel Andujar fit? I I think he does. I think that bat's going to play at the big league level. But if they have to go forward with what they have as currently constituted right now, I, I think you have to forecast them as division champions and more. And so... Look, if they can make a big move, a splashy move to to get people even more excited, maybe they do that. But I really think they're they're fine going forward with what they have right now. And remember, they've got reinforcements coming too. You're going to get Domingo Herman back in early June. Um, you should get Aaron Hicks back at some time in June. And so there's more coming. Uh, the minor league system has a few guys who can contribute here too. But you write down that opening day roster. It's 26 guys now, not 25. And I really like it. I, I think it's a a well built team, top to bottom, and I, you know I don't just say that because I'm around them every single day. I, I like the way this team is built, and I think they've got enough to win it all. Well, it's certainly going to be an exciting few weeks as we get ready for spring training. Obviously, spring training, while no doubt it's going to drag, man, it's, this is going to be a fun team to watch and get to know. And then we have. God, man, we have six months of this. So thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. And, you know, we look forward to following along with everything you do all the year. I'm sure we got, I mean, we must have Mission 27 coming out in paperback, right? <laughs> I haven't heard yet. I'm, I'm still holding out for the audiobook. Hopefully that happens. But, yeah, Mission 27's out there. Baby Bomber's out there. And, you know, we were going to do a Mission 28. It was going to be called Next Man Up if the Yankees have been able to win the 2019 World Series. So maybe uh, maybe I'll have to talk to my agent and see if we can get something ready for 2020 because I think they got a really good chance. I think it's going to be a very fun, very exciting season, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what 2020 brings. Well, we look forward to following along with you all year and definitely those of us in the press box watching you type in your ridiculous way brian (laughs) thank you so much for joining us today for everyone else thanks for listening and of course next time we talk it's going to be basically pitchers and catchers so this is an exciting time get some rest watch you know that last little bit of football and then start getting your uh, calisthenics and get ready for baseball season please follow along with us at yanks magazine on twitter 
you know, yankees.com slash magazine where you can read all of our long form content. By all means, yankees.com slash publications, buy back issues, buy subscriptions, 800 go yanks. You can do all the same stuff there. The offseason, it's kind of getting close to ending and you know, the good thing is the Yankees uh, had a good offseason, and now it's time for a good season. So we will speak to you in about two weeks. In the meantime, thank you so much, Brian. Thank you so much, and we'll speak to you all soon. Hi, this is Adam Adovino. For more stories like these, subscribe to Yankees Magazine by visiting yankees.com slash publications or by calling 800-GO-YANKS. The MLB Ballpark app will complete your next visit to Yankee Stadium. Buy and manage game tickets, redeem special check-in offers, access exclusive content, and much more. Download the MLB Ballpark app today by visiting yankees.com backslash ballpark app.